Hello and welcome to Around the Corner, the CoveringTheCorner.com Cleveland Guardians Prospect Podcast. I'm Matt Schlichting, joined as always by Brian Hemminger. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing amazing. It's uh, been a nice two weeks for Guardians Prospects. I'm excited to talk about them, but first, uh, we were discussing just a moment ago that today, Taco Bell brought back the Mexican pizza. I did not know this and elected to go to Taco Bell for dinner, and one hour later... I left with my crunch wrap like a dipshit. Yeah, that's going to happen. Uh, you just got to pay attention to the news, man. I mean, people been uh, campaigning to bring that Mexican pizza back ever since it left uh, the menu. So it was <sighs> a, it was it was basically a, a, a semi-national holiday, Mexican pizza day. I'm not going to lie. I had two. They were delicious. I should have got three. Such wise words. I think it's time to transition right into the top 10 players in the system as voted by CoveringTheCorner.com readers. As always, we'll start with number one, George Valera. How was Sir George? Um, I'd say slightly below average, but nothing, you know, concerning. <clears throat> he, uh, in his two-week span here, he played 10 games, had a slash line of 216, 326, 297. Um, good for a WRC plus of 82. Over that time period, he had three doubles, walked six times, struck out 12. Nothing real crazy there, just a slightly below average. Um, nothing that's going to be forcing anybody's hand or getting promoted, but if that's George Valera when he's struggling, then I'm fine with it. Yeah, and we've um, made some upgrades to how we're tracking the stats this year, so it's a little easier to flip between weeks. Mm -hmm. He rocked a 76 WRC+. Plus. Two fortnights ago. Yeah, so it's been a pretty much a, a whole month now of him being slightly below average. Which, uh, this is his first time at the level, right? Uh, he did get called up to double-A at the end of last season. Okay. Um, he, he had, a, but when he got called up last year, he had a high BAPIP that was not, so like his stats were good, but they weren't reflective of like his walk and strikeout rates. So I was like, I, I was shouting from the rooftops. Hey, you know, you know, George might need a little bit more seasoning in double a first before we, you know, put him on the roster at the major league level. So that's pretty much where he is right now. I mean, when, if he's struggling right now and at a 27 K rate, that's not that bad because uh, he's still maintaining a, an elite walk rate, 14%. And that strikeout rate will go down when, you know, he's just seeing the ball a little bit better. I'd have to agree with you. Uh, assuming he continues to progress, I think that's where we'll probably start to see him turn the corner is that, just like you said, that's where we're going to see the evidence of him seeing the pitches better, getting more familiar with the league and the environment, et cetera. So it'll be, it'll be fun to keep an eye on him. Nothing too crazy there. But um, next up, we've got our boy, Brian Rocchio. Um, he had a unique two weeks because basically he played about three games, then went on the injured list from and did not play from May 8th all the way to May 16th. Then he got activated from the injured list on Tuesday and has played the last you know two days. Only played five games, but they were a pretty impressive five games. He's been on fire. He's slashed 308, 
526, <clears throat> 462, good for a, a 189 WRC plus with a BABIP of 444. So, I mean, there's hard contact in there, so of course, but obviously 444 is going to come back some to the fold. But the big thing is a 31.6% walk rate. What? Jeez, how? I mean, six walks in five games. And then he stole three bases on top of it. Calm down. Yeah, that's <laughs> what's been interesting was in these two games that he's been back, he doesn't have a hit, but he's walked four times and stolen <laughs> two bases. So It's basically it's two free doubles. just for Yeah, that's, that's the thing that we like about, you know, like Quan, where even if right now he's slumping with hitting the ball, like he's just... Every time he hits the ball, it's going to somebody, but he's still walking once or twice a game. He's still getting on base. And that's where you still maintain consistency and avoid slumps. So I'm really liking this uh, improved walk rate with Rokio. That just makes him more valuable. Especially with as sharp as his defense is. And while he doesn't have quite the the light tower power that Valera has, uh, he runs into one every once in a while too. And, and it usually looks pretty nice coming off the bat. He, he can send him a long way for uh, how, how tiny he is. <laughs> it's got, it's, I just sort of think of it as Jose Ramirez energy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three on our countdown is Tyler Freeman, and he had himself a very nice week as well. Very nice week. Uh, very impressive to see him. Because uh, yeah, as we mentioned, you know, he had a little bit of growing pains, uh, shaking off the rust of all the not playing the last half of last season and then missing the beginning of this season, the shoulder surgery. Um, it seems like he's back into Tyler Freeman form. Yes. Um, these this past two a, weeks. A, a much. Yeah. He slashed 286, 386, 429. Now <laughs> you're wondering how does his uh, on base percentage spike a hundred points higher than his batting average when he never walks. And so the, the way I want to pose this to listeners before we give them the answer is how many walks do you think he had in 49 at bats? At bats? Or 57 or, plate appearances. Yeah. How does that math break down listeners? <laughs> if you haven't figured it out. Yeah. He only had two walks. So two walks. Four strikeouts. That's by itself excellent uh, over a, a two-week span. But six hit by pitches. This is something. Now, if you go back Hitting and track, base. if you go back and track Tyler Freeman's stats, he has consistently been getting hit by pitches his entire career. Um, he's never. He's not quite Brandon Geyer level. I don't know, man. We might be seeing him truly blossoming into an artist of just. Yeah, he's been getting blasted by pitches (laughs) this time. Um, Let's check here. Because look, all right. uh, 2018, he played 72 games. How many hit by pitches do you think he would have in 72 games? So if he was normal, I'd guess like three. But because it's Tyler Freeman, I'm going to say 19. It was exactly 19. <laughs> get, get out. I, there's no way I guessed that. You really <laughs> guessed it, yeah. And how did he follow that up? Uh, 2019 was his first year at full season ball, <laughs> where he played 123 games. How many times do you think he got hit then? Okay. There's no way I guess correctly twice in a row, so I'm going to say 17. He got hit 17 times at regular A-ball, 
Then he got promoted to A plus and got hit seven more. Yeah, in, in 120 games. Some basically. guys don't even walk that much. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Let's check. I haven't been this like over the moon about something since you introduced <laughs> me to Bieber. <laughs> so Freeman got hit 24 times that season. He walked to 26. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, we've always said if you get on base 40% of the time or so, it doesn't matter. And I guess he took it to, to heart. What's impressive this season so far is he's been hit eight times. So even two last week, in, in, when we were covering last podcast, he's only struck out five. <laughs> so... So pitches, pitchers are hitting him more than he is striking out. So we're just going to let, I'm just going to go down the rabbit he's, hole. He's on pace right now to get hit more than once every other game. He's played 15 games. He's been hit eight times. We're just the, the human, the human pin cushion, basically. Here we go. Career hit by pitch leaders, Biggio. Oh, oh yeah, Biggio was always hog, uh, crowding the plate. That's who I was trying to think of from more recent times, who was just really good at getting hit by pitches. Um, Rizzo as well comes to mind. But Huey Jennings, the legend, hit by 287 pitches in 5,648 plate appearances. You may know him from such teams as nothing after 1920. Okay. <laughs> so he was getting hit by spitballs. Okay. So, so it's certainly true that there are some guys that just are able to get on base this way. Frank mm-hmm. Robinson and Chase Utley are in the top 10 at all time as well. So who knows? Maybe it's a tool. It's a skill. Yeah. So now we've got the, the middle of our countdown and it's a little it's a little sad um Daniel Spino's at number four he did not play due to injury yeah he was expected to miss one week with a little bit of knee tendonitis and they're playing it safe he did not pitch this past week either hopefully he's back on the mound next week I have not heard anything so we will keep our fingers crossed there and hope we get some news soon number five Gabriel Arias he, yeah, recovering on the injured list with a broken hand. Um, hopefully, I I think when they placed him on the injured list, they said a month and a half or so expected time off. So we're right now about two weeks in, a little over. Number six. This is say, where yeah. the this is where I had I do have a positive update um, news. Yes. News. So and and this comes from the man himself, Nolan Jones. Did you guys. Bump into each other. I did not, but I did see his Instagram page. Well, there you go. And it was mentioned that, you know, Jones wasn't going to be that far behind Tyler Freeman in terms of being activated. And I think two days ago, he made a post on his Instagram page of him in the outfield. And it just said, soon. (laughs) Soon. That was the only caption. (laughs) So... Good news, we should be seeing Nolan Jones very shortly. That's he fantastic. Should. So, I mean, he would not be posting that if he was still a month away. If he did, I, I would be very upset with him. This brings us to the back half of the top. Not half, back half. You know what? Number seven, Logan T. Allen. 
Brian, take it away. Yeah, Logan T. Allen had a very strange two starts. <laughs> so uh, he had one regular boring start. And then in his next start, he struck out 10 batters in five innings with no walks. That's usually amazing, right? Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, he gave up, I think, was it all eight or seven? Uh, in that seven, seven earned runs yeah. in that one. He gave up seven earned runs. I think four home runs. <laughs> I, I counted three. Okay, three home runs. Not not a great time. <laughs> so he had a crazy, like, numbers. I mean, you want a guy that's going to be striking out two per inning. Ten, ten strikeouts in five innings with no walks is sensational. But, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they just hit their spots. And uh, they, when he threw it in the zone, uh, some a couple guys ran into it. So... He had this a very, is... very strange uh, two-week stat line of a 6.55 ERA, 16 strikeouts, one walk <laughs> uh, over uh, 11 innings pitched. And this is where, looking at the advanced stats, who the heck knows what happened in that game? Because he still struck out that many guys. Yeah, I mean, he was pitching anybody. well. <laughs> The only thing you really dock him for is giving up three home runs. Yep. It's not like... Sometimes he get hit. His his whip was really not even that crazy. And yeah, weird week or two weeks. I mean, elite strikeout to walk ratio. So, yeah. So nothing, nothing you know, that we can't uh, see improved. I mean, I, I, I guarantee that he is probably going to have very similar strikeout-to-walk ratios in our next podcast, and his ERA is going to be back where it normally is. Yeah, I was just trying to think about how to describe it. He doesn't have to change anything about what he's doing, but the outcomes will fix themselves, I guess. Like, to me, this is an outlier. Yeah. Like, everything else about that start was great. (laughs) Just squared a few up. Shit. Number eight. Gavin Williams. Gavin Williams. Gavin's gonna Gavin. This was a stupidly good couple of weeks. Yeah. So how did how did Gavin do over his two starts? He pitched ten and two thirds. Okay. Struck out sixteen as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that gave him a, a good old fashioned. He ended up with a good old fashioned ERA of point eight four. Point point eight four. Uh, striking out 39% of hitters faced, walking only 7.3%, three walks total. He threw a wild pitch, though. Yeah. Um, Come on. There was a report this week that he was getting promoted to double A, and then uh, in a rare instance, they went, oh, my source was wrong. So, Who was the they that had done the reporting? And it was Todd Peckett. I mean, normally he is on point. Yeah. So I was I was retweeting it saying, oh, man, I, this is amazing. I knew this would happen. And then all of a sudden uh, he was listed as the next starter for Lake County. And uh, he's like, uh. <laughs> man, this so. makes me it always makes me curious about how media folks and, and news folks handle stories and figure out sources and who they can and can't trust 
Like I have some, some West people. Wing intrigue. Yeah. Like I have a <laughs> few people that I reach out to, like to set up interviews and do things like that. But I'm not the kind of guy that's trying to like break news. We don't break with news. the Cleveland system. These are yeah. all stats people could go read. We just do it for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do like to event every once in a while, you know, interview a player and, you know, share their story and stuff. But um, yeah, I'm not the type that's going to be like, oh, this guy's getting promoted. This guy was released. Like, oh, this guy, you know, he's going on the injured list. Yeah. There's other people that are getting paid more money to do that. So I feel like it's a lot more fun to go listen to this dude hit this. What? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I still, even though it didn't happen, it's only a matter of time. Like he is like right now there's six elite pitchers at double A. So the second one of those guys does get promoted to triple A, Gavin's going to replace them. Like, he's almost pitching too well at this yeah, point. He's, he's not, not getting, being challenged. He is not getting challenged, even though he, this is his pro debut. <laughs> like, Some college they, arms, though. Yeah, they started him at high A, like skipping rookies, skipping uh, low A, and like he is not being challenged. You're right. Like it's this is this is like him pitching to little leaguers at this point. So get him up to double A. It's I, I think he might be on double A, if not by next podcast, the one after. It'll just depend if there's an opening uh, in the double A rotation. Because sometimes, you know, they'll move up, a, you know, an org guy that can just fill a spot. But, you know, when it really matters, when you get excited is when they move up that top prospect. And uh, I think that he's ready. I guess sometimes there is a college arm who, like Lincecum being an example, like there's really no reason to keep them in the minors any longer than you need to because you're really just preventing them from winning Cy Young Awards, it turns out. And I'm not suggesting necessarily that's what's going to happen here, but sometimes a player just shoots right through. You never know. I don't know. Lincecum, I guess, was a little bit different because I can recall folks saying that even when he was still pitching in college, guys would say, that's the dumbest pitch I have ever seen in my 40 years of covering baseball. No one's ever thrown that before. What? So that's a guy you expect to just immediately show up and win Cy Youngs, I guess. But you never know how quickly a guy might progress is my point, I I think. (laughs) (laughs) I gotcha. (laughs) So uh, next up, we've got a guy that... uh... Only played three games in the minor leagues because he's been spending so much time up in the big leagues, uh, Richie Palacios. Never a bad problem. That is never a bad problem. So he, in his three games... He uh, walked three times, struck out three times, um, had five hits, one of them a double and four singles, scored four runs. Sported a pretty impressive uh, 143 WRC plus, so can't complain about that. I appear to have struggled a little bit compiling the stats for him. Well, it was but only three games. So. His slash line came out to a fairly impressive 357, 471, 429. Certainly not slacking off. No, and it seemed like uh, handled the temporary demotion to AAA pretty well. Because he got brought right back up. What were his stats at the major league level? Um, I know he's... The other day he had like two hits. But at the major league level, 
nothing crazy. He made uh, 15 plate appearances, got four hits, scored a run. He stole a base. Boom. Don't give it back, man. Yes, he did steal a base. And he only struck out once. So he's making contact. Just uh, not quite enough solid contact. So I think the encouraging thing, too, is the three games that he was down, <clears throat> he annihilated the ball. So he clearly has nothing left to prove at AAA. He will be up more often than not from here on out. I think, I think he's a guy that uh, gives us a unique uh, flexibility because he can play second base and all three outfield positions. And I, I had forgotten that he could do second base as well. Yeah, I mean, he was yeah he was drafted as an infielder, so he he only converted to outfield last year just to make himself. Um, somebody that could help the organization more, basically add, adding flexibility to to his skill set. Never a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially when he looked at all the middle infielders Cleveland already had, and he went, uh, I think I'm going to learn outfield too. <laughs> Smart decision, because that got him up to uh, the big leagues. Hey, you're involved in fewer plays, so it's a little easier. What the heck? Yeah, I, th- I think the most, the thing I like the most is the fact that, that he's not striking out. So... Uh, he just, he's another one of those players that's going to go up and put together good at bats at the major league level. He eats his baseballs. Finally, we come to John Kensey Noel, the number 10 man as voted on by readers of the website covering the corner.com. Yeah. Interesting stretch there for Noel two weeks. Uh, he did blast three home runs. Um, but for the most part, he struggled a little bit. Uh, only hit 200 with a 256 on base percentage during uh, the past two weeks, but because of all the power, uh, he also had three doubles as well. Uh, the the slugging was o- almost 200 points higher than his on base at uh, 450. So uh, it it basically balanced out his really high strikeout rate of 44 percent to give him a 100 WRC plus over that stretch. I'm going to be so frustrated if he ends up not being able to make enough contact to really use that power, man. I think he'll be okay. I mean, he has not had a crazy high strikeout rate at any level before. And he played at this level last year for a little bit, too. He got promoted up there uh, for the last, you know, maybe third of the season last year. So I'm hoping that, you know, it's just temporary, the high strikeout rate. Because let me double check. I mean, I, I'm almost certain that uh, throughout his minor league career, his strikeout rate has been relatively lower. Yeah, like last year at single A, it was 16.7% in Lynchburg. So, and then it, it jumped up to 27, which was a career high after his promotion. And right now it's 34. So I'm hoping that he can get that sorted out. He did lean into a couple, two hit by pitches over that stretch too. So, and he is still hitting home runs. I mean, last year he hit nineteen. He's already got nine this year, which I think is tops in the org. Yeah, this is what's goofy about that. It ends up being, I guess, a WRC plus for that league of one hundred somehow. So it's it's not, I guess. But I, baseball is funny. <laughs> We've got another fun set of guys that we wanted to highlight as five of the best from everywhere in the system. And one of them is a 
repeat from last time. Mylon Tolentino, come on down. You are a repeat contestant on our top five players of the week. What did Mylon do to deserve this honor? He went ahead and slashed 341, 412, 432 for a WRC plus of 141. He did it across 12 total games, hitting four doubles, scoring 10 times, driving in seven, walking six times, striking out 11 times. So standard aggression at the plate, I suppose, and stole a couple bases too. Just a pretty fantastic offensive week all around. Which is funny, It's it was actually a down week for him compared to the two weeks before that. <laughs> yep, it, he continues to be really, really good, and so it's there's a little bit of momentum propelling him onto the list this week, I think, but you gotta highlight how well he's been playing. Yeah, and this is a guy that is really not on anybody's radar in terms of top prospects, but he is playing like one, so... I would not be surprised if when, like, say, MLB Pipeline updates its prospect rankings midseason, Milan Tolentino is going to make a huge leap from unranked all the way up to top 20, at least. Next up, we've got one of Milan's teammates on Lynchburg, Will Bartlett. And yeah, uh, No, go yeah. ahead. Oh, I was going to say, Will, Will had a very Im- impressive uh, two-week stretch here. Over the course of 12 games, he slashed uh, 324 with a 444 on base, 647 slugging. Um, he struck out nine times and walked nine times. And during that stretch, he hit five doubles with two home runs, scored 10 runs, knocked in 10 runs. So did a little bit of everything. It's just a very balanced and satisfying stat card for the week or for the two weeks 34 as, as all bats. things should be yeah 45 um, plate appearances yeah and for people that aren't familiar with will bartlett um he was a ninth round pick in the 2019 draft and i think yeah he was a high school player so he has taken his time um uh he was in the rookie league in 2019 where he actually put together a 117 WRC plus. So he was above average. Uh, But last year he started, I think at the rookie league again, and then got promoted to low a where he is now. And he struggled uh, only had an 87 WRC plus for the season this year though, for the season, he's at 142 WRC plus. So it seems like he's figured it out. It's always fun when someone, kind of makes the jump a little bit later in their minor league career. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what uh, Mr. Bartlett is able to do here because uh, he is basically screaming for a promotion to high A. Do and it, for guys. those Yeah, and for those wondering what position he plays, I, be- I believe it's uh, first base over at low A. Who did we have as our next contestant for this week? Uh, this one should uh, bring back, uh, ring some bells. It is former first round pick Will the Thrill Benson. He just keeps playing well, it seems. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, for those that don't remember, he was our first round pick the year we drafted Nolan Jones, Shane Bieber, Aaron Savalli, and Zach Playsack. So he slashed 243, 391, 595, good for a WRC plus of 156. And he was even a little unlucky, too. His BABIP was only 238. <clears throat> and across the 12 games that he played, 
He scattered nine hits, one of which was a double, four of which were home runs. He scored 11 runs himself, drove in seven, walked eight times, and struck out 12 times. Being aggressive. Stole three bases on top of it all. Why not? Very nice. Yeah. Do you want to hear something crazy about that 2016 draft, by the way? Guess who else was drafted in the 2016 draft that is a current member of the Cleveland rotation? Oh, 2016? Is it McKenzie? No, Cal Quantrill. Oh, ah, uh-huh, I see. He was actually the highest draft pick out of all of them. Because he was drafted by the Padres, right? Yep, eighth overall. I forgot he was that. I, I, yeah, I forget he was that high a pick sometimes. I was going to look at 2016 again for a second, just because I feel like there are a few players that I'm missing that turned into something. Who else made it? Did they turn into something grand, Brian? Well, Tanner Tully made Mm. it to Cleveland this year. Indeed. He uh, got to make one major league appearance during uh, our little COVID stretch. So as a... What draft pick round? 26th round draft pick that year. That, that round does not even exist anymore. <laughs> That's pretty sensational. So good for Tanner Tully. And we've still got a couple guys in the system from that draft that haven't made it to the bigs, but are still in the system. It's uh, I think Gavin Collins is at, he's actually made it to Cleveland as like a backup catcher in like this, in a September call up type of situation. Um, ben Krauth is currently a, uh, Bullpen guy in AAA. Trenton Brooks has been playing in AAA. He's had a few real good weeks, too. Yeah, it'd be fun. I guess the question becomes, when can you sit down and do a retrospective on a whole draft class, right? Because it's been a very fun one, and I know yeah. there's been some work Well, this this pitchers, article but... was written by me in 2019, looking yeah. back three years. So that was, you know, it's been three years since then. So Maybe it's time. Hmm. So picking back up on our countdown, we've got Rodney Boone, who you went out and picked. And boy, were you right. Yeah, Rodney Boone, man. Eighth round pick in last year's draft. He made three starts. ERA was 0.53 over those three starts. And in that time, he pitched uh, 17 innings, struck out 17, walked two, only gave up eight hits. So his whip was just ridiculous, like a... I'd say like 0.6 or so um, had uh, just one earned run allowed. Very, very impressive uh, young man or performance by the young man. So showing show some love here. Two. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy considering how few base runners he had. <laughs> and yeah, who the hell knows who keeps score at some of these games? <laughs> Um, maybe it was a past ball. Um, I don't actually really care about wild pitches that much. He had just some of the, it's one of the best three game stretches we've seen since we've been covering guys for the last five years or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, yet I'm you yawn as if. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it had nothing to do with anything, anything being boring. That's just. But uh, no, seriously, uh, Rodney Boone has been one of our most impressive draft picks besides Gavin Williams from uh, that last year's draft so far. Like you would you would think that it would be some of those uh, other, you know, second, third, fourth round, fifth round pitchers that we took. And 
you know, it's, it's been Boone, the eighth round pick. So I think in terms of uh, order, I think you go, Gavin Williams clearly has been the best because he's also done it at a higher level. Um, Boone's been doing it at low A. He should be getting a shot higher but, up the ladder soon. But he should absolutely be getting called up here soon. I mean, he, he has earned it. Clearly. As an aside, Rodney Boone very much feels like a um, Big 12 quarterback name. Although I will note that Oklahoma has very recently upped the ante with General Axel Booty. The very real name of a quarterback who will be playing for Oklahoma this year. I mean, we thought Colt McCoy was wild. Buddy, we're like I've posted somewhere we're past the fourth wall and we're looking for a fifth at this point and so you bet your ass general <laughs> general booty is starting quarterback for the good old red river rivalry <clears throat> finally we have Xavier curry who had another sensational stretch of three games did he not brian yeah uh which has been crazy because curry has spent as part of this season as like a piggyback partner for somebody else because Akron has such a loaded rotation that they don't have room for a five man rotation. Um, like somebody put together the information on how good Akron's rotation is this year. Um, yeah, listen to this. Uh, it says the Akron rotation of Espino, Logan Allen, Joey Cantillo, Xavion Curry, Hunter Gaddis, and Tanner Burns has faced 632 batters. They have struck out 222 of them. 35.1% strikeout rate on the season as a starting rotation. Only six pitchers in all of minor of Major League Baseball have struck out more than that. And that's what our entire rotation has done at AA. That is not only stupid, but it is dumb. <laughs> that's how good it is. Yeah, but... Uh, so Xavion, though, um, he has been starting regularly because Espino's been uh, missing a couple weeks here. And yeah, Xavion was elite, just straight up nasty uh, during these three starts. He went, let's see here, 16 and two thirds innings. So he went one, one out less than uh, Rodney Boone did, but he struck out six more. So struck out 23, walked four, gave up two earned runs, only threw one wild pitch compared to two. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. So uh, with that extra run allowed, um, it brought him up to a 1.08 ERA, which is sensational. So, yeah. Yep. So he is right. Per- Honestly, he is right back at that form that brought him up onto everybody's radar at the end of uh, or at the beginning of last season when I think he started the year without giving up a run over like four straight starts and just mowing people down. So, yeah, uh, if it wasn't for all the other five guys in that rotation, we'd be talking more about Xavier Curry. But um, it's just honestly, there are, in my opinion, that rotation alone of six guys has more star, more talent than several minor league, several teams' entire minor league systems of pitching. Yeah, it, it it is it's quite the arm barn, I guess. I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to suggest that we have too many starting pitchers of a certain quality because that's insane, isn't it? 
but yeah, and and when it's not insane, it's because we're, we'll need them. Um, you know, the starting rotation has been you know a little inconsistent for Cleveland this year at times, and it's not at that same level in Columbus right now. So in terms of available starting pitchers, you know, these these guys are more like half a year away for Cleveland. Well, but I, I wouldn't totally discount the possibility that we see one of them late this season. It could happen. That's why I said McKenzie, half a season. That's why I yeah. said about half a season away. So, oh, I thought you said a season and a half. No, 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 no. Half. I'm a, I'm a dweeb. <laughs> so, Sorry. But no, they, they, they definitely could. They just, they need a little bit of AAA seasoning, but they're right there. Um, and, and there's really nobody, like we have guys like the, the Peyton Batten, Battenfield and, you know, Connor Pilkington's at AAA right now, um, Tobias Myers, like guys that are on the 40 man roster ready, but these guys are all knocking on the door, all of them. So they're, 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 they're increasing that pressure to perform at AAA for all those other guys. Never a bad thing. Well, that wraps up the top five guys from around the system and brings us to the Carnegie. I just can't do intros today. This sucks. The the Carnegie Cupboard. Well, tell us about the Carnegie Cupboard. We set aside a couple of players, one hitter, one pitcher each, and keep track of them just for fun, aside from the usual, here are the top guys in the system, here are the top performers in the system. Uh, Just a couple of players we found interesting. And so I have Daniel Schneeman and Jack Leftwich at the moment. And Brian, who do you have? Will Brennan and Will Dion. The Battle of the Wills. We have four Wills on the podcast this week. Yeah. Hmm. So do you want to go ahead and kick it off? Do hitter, hitter, pitcher, pitcher again? That works for me. Uh, Will Brennan continues to perform at double A. Um, over the two-week stretch, he had a 133 WRC plus slashed 262, 340, 500 for Akron. Um in two weeks, he knocked in 16 runs, and that's over 11 games. That's a Jose Ramirez-esque right there. Um, four doubles, two home runs, uh, walked four times, struck out five. Just elite, elite, elite. Like this guy, definitely going to be storing up the prospect ranks. Um, I'm not not trying to pat myself on the back, but uh, my talent evaluator skills are doing pretty good so far this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Daniel Schneeman, my current hitter in the Carnegie Cup. Let's hear about your talent evaluation skills. So, he slashed 100, 174, 100. Good okay. for a negative 32 WRC+. <laughs> oh, no. He struck out 40% of the time and walked a little more than five and a half. This was nine games, 35 total plate appearances. Striking out 14 times, a little tough. But he did. Go ahead and steal two bases. There you go. Knocked in three runs. Mm-hmm. So it's only, you know, one, one-fifth the man that Will Brennan is in our <laughs> It's a little wild thinking about, like, how the stat actually tries to describe the thing, right? Because in some cases it is like, oh, yeah, he's literally twice the hitter. Twice the man. Twice the human being, frankly. Look at Mike Trout. Seriously, you guys. He's anyway. on my fantasy team. I look at him a lot. <laughs> <clears throat> Moving along to pitchers, Will Dion had quite a week too. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Baby Kershaw. 
Um, had three games started, and over that time period, he pitched 13 innings, allowed three earned runs, seven runs, though. So that is a little concerning, uh, although it probably did have something to do with bad defense if four of those runs were unearned. Um, and during that time period, he struck out 13, walked four. So not elite, but good. I'd say above average, even just at 2.08 ERA since that eliminated the four unearned runs and, uh, you know, still gave up less than a hit per inning. Uh, you'd hope for a little bit less than that, but, uh, and striking out at least one per inning. So can't complain. Um, just hoping uh, he can keep it going. Over in my side of the cupboard, Jack Leftwich ended up pitching six innings over the last couple of weeks. Struck out ten and walked three while allowing three runs total. Walked three guys as well. It was good for an ERA of four and a half. <clears throat> I think the most encouraging thing to look at here is his overall strikeout rates. He struck out 15 per nine or 40% of the guys he faced. So however you want to slice it, that's great in terms of just straight up missing bats. Um, So you want to keep an eye on control a little bit, I guess. And he's also going to be a guy who I assume they try to keep stretched out as much as they can, given that he has been a starter. And if a guy can be a starter, you would like to have that rather than a reliever. Ideally. So we'll keep an eye on what sort of opportunities he gets. So I think that'll bring us to our transactions for the past uh, two weeks. Okay. There's a couple pretty big ones. So 2020 first round pick Carson Tucker was placed on the injured list in Lynchburg with a right forearm strain. Tanner Burns, who we were just uh, hyping up, was placed on the injured list with a right shoulder strain in Akron. And then uh, we mentioned it during the show, but Brian Rocchio, he was placed on the injured list May 9th with a concussion, but then was activated May 16th. So he only stayed on for the seven days for the concussion, which is good. Um, Other than that, uh, Jerson Ramirez was activated from the injured list by Akron and outfielder Chris Roller was promoted to Columbus from Akron. And that's about it. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, it just looks like uh, Zach Hart was assigned to Lake County from extended spring training. Other than that, nothing real crazy. I'm hoping that the big transaction in our next podcast is the activation of Espino and Nolan Jones. And, And Wolf, Josh Wolf. So we did not actually have a call for questions this week. <clears throat> and so I made a joke tweet saying that we would belittle anyone who dared ask. But we actually got a really good question uh, from Leo asking, who is the best baseball prospect in Cleveland that doesn't play for the Guardians? So I've actually got players, a good answer. I've got high a good school answer. players. I figured you would. So let's go ahead and hear it. So he is a professional athlete that does not play baseball. Former UFC heavyweight champion of the world, Stipe Miocic. Um, He actually played college baseball 
in the Cleveland area, I think Cleveland State, and was getting scouted at the major league level, but decided to kick people's asses for a career instead and became heavyweight champion, became the most decorated heavyweight champion in UFC history. Um, He had the longest reign. Uh, He only, in his last fight, he lost his title. But uh, um, he actually would do off-season training with Jan Gomes, and um, they brought him into Cleveland to do batting practice one day, and he hit a home run. So he's got some pop. So I I took that answer seriously, damn it. No, I... I took that question seriously. I did not know this bit of knowledge, and I am now happier for knowing it. And it just goes to prove, like, there's a certain type of elite athlete that, you know, they really can just kind of do it all. It's pretty amazing. And let me check, double double check where he went. Yeah, he did play uh, at Cleveland State University. So This is a genuinely awesome answer to the question. Thanks, Brian. (laughs) You're very welcome. You know, what's funny is if you go to his Wikipedia page, there's a picture of him at uh, a game at Progressive Field. <laughs> very cool. So I believe, though, that this will bring us to the end of the podcast for the evening. And so I wanted to ask you, would it be acceptable for me to read a selection from a, a poet that I've enjoyed for some time? Oh, please do. Okay. His name's E.E. E. Gammings, if you're familiar. I am. Perfect. Well, I I will go ahead and um, get started here. Take me out to the press conference. Take the flamingo out to the writers.